0: what it's saying is when Jesus looked at people, he would perfectly read their character and then he didn't immediately trust everyone. He didn't start with a green light relationship with everyone. You can get close, you can have access, we're gonna be friends.
1: Trust is built over time.
0: Yeah, trust is built over time. And so love is free, but trust is earned. And that ultimately, if you're naive or gullible, you're gonna let everybody have access.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand. I literally thought that everyone had to have an equal place of importance in my life. And I just grew up believing that for one reason or another. And so that was just a place where I continued to get caught up because I can't be all things to all people, I'm not God.
0: All right, well, howdy, welcome back to the Exo Marriage Real Marriage Podcast. My name is Mark Driscoll and her name is? Grace Driscoll. Grace Driscoll. Uh, We are really excited to be with you and kick off brand new season of episodes. And we're gonna start with a four part series talking about three kinds of people in the first three episodes and then six kinds of relationships relationships in the last episode. And so we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly on real relationships. Honey, have you ever watched that Clint Eastwood Western, the good, the bad, the ugly?
1: I don't know. I don't remember movies well. No, you're not
0: really a... Shoot
1: them. I like them while I watch them and then they exit my brain.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I grew up watching the good, the bad, and the ugly a lot. And so we're going to talk about the good. That's wise people. We're going to talk about the bad. That's foolish people. We're going to talk about the ugly. That's evil people. All right. So here's where we're going to start. The sociologists tell us that in our relationships, the average person interacts with between 500 and and 2,500 different people a year. Think about family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, in-laws, outlaws, kids, sports, school, church, whatever the case may be. And then they tell us that 40% of our relationships are with the same five people. So pray for us, we got five kids, apparently two of them are gonna be neglected. So <laughs> um, that being the case, then the question is, you only have so much time, energy, and money for your relationships. A real healthy relationship, it takes some investment. And so you've got to look at your time and especially your energy, your emotional, relational energy. And you got to figure out where are we going to invest it.
1: Gotta prioritize the relationships.
0: So, okay, let's start there. So, first priorities, brand new year. And this is a perfect opportunity for people to look back at relationships over the past year. What we tend to do this time of year, we'll take an inventory. Okay, last year, what did we do with our budget? Let's reset our budget. Last year, what did we do with our schedule? What did we do with our schedule? We wanna encourage you to think, what did we do with our relationships? And then how do we architect a plan for our relationships for this year? Just like we would reallocate some of our time and money, where do we put some of our emotion and energy? So for those that are thinking, listening, first priority relationally, how would that relational priority go?
1: Well, we have to have God at the top, because if we don't, especially this year, we're gonna be hurting. Yeah. We we will see our need for him even more. So we need to have God in that first place um and be in his word, be in prayer. And then as we set the following relationships, we definitely, if you're married, need to have your spouse in that second so slot. So in
0: that, so first one with God, and what you get then is you, if you don't have a relationship with God, that's your highest priority, you can put that need on your spouse and you can all of a sudden put a God-sized relational burden on the spouse. Yeah. And that's where you you can even, even a good spouse is a bad God. Yes. And uh, and what can happen then is you just exhaust and overwhelm the spouse. And then God gives you the forgiveness, the love, the grace to then share share for your relationship. So second priority. Spouse. Spouse. Now, why not family? Because a lot of people would say, God, then family. Why not family?
1: Because if you have kids, they're not always going to be in that relationship. I mean, you'll be in relationship with them, but they'll move on with their life and you still need to have your marriage after the kids are gone.
0: And we're at that age now where our kids are getting older. Three of our kids have moved out. Uh, Number three was off to college. We got two kids in high school. And what we find is one of the great errors that couples will make is they'll say, God, then family. What it really means is God, then kids. Mm -hmm. And then it works kind of sort of when the kids are at home, as soon as the kids leave, then the marriage falls apart. And so we're at that age where we know some folks our age that their marriages are imploding because spouse and marriage was not second priority. They said family, but it really was kids. And once the kids left, the glue left the relationship. So God first, spouse second.
1: Yeah, in Genesis it says that we're supposed to be one when we get married. And so maintaining that oneness, working toward that oneness, it doesn't just happen for 50-plus you know, years, so you got to keep working at that. And you're not one with your kids, you're one with your spouse. So then you move on to, if you have kids, the next relationship priority is kids and investing in them, training them up, as the Bible says, in the way they should go, and teaching them the Word, teaching them how to be healthy relationally, um, parenting, disciplining, all the things that go into that.
0: So then what's the next priority, God, spouse, kids?
1: Then probably job for.
0: Employment, work, mm -hmm. vocation, income, Mm -hmm. pay the bills. And then number five, is that where you'd put maybe extended family or friends?
1: Yeah. I mean, I put church in there personally, but yeah, I mean, you can put extended family in there.
0: So it could be church relationships, family relationships, or friend relationships, Mm -hmm. but that five, six, seven would Mm -hmm. be additional relationships. Mm -hmm. And so what we are saying is, you need to learn this year and you need to have this conversation as a couple. So we'd encourage you to listen to all four of these episodes together as a couple, or at least discuss them. And that is that you've got to agree before you enter into some relationships, because once you've entered into more of a friendship or a deep relationship, or you've given access to somebody, it's really hard to redraw the lines and to rearrange the relationship. And some of the great pains, problems, and perils in the marriage is the time and the energy that the other relationships are taking from the marriage relationship or the relationship with mm-hmm. God. And as a result, it's out of place. And, and Pastor Jimmy Evans always says that jealousy can be a good thing. God's a jealous God and jealousy happens when someone takes my place. Mm-hmm. And so if the if it's supposed to be God then spouse, if the kids leapfrog the spouse or if um, extended family because of their drama or needs jump jumps over the spouse, if uh, people at church or needy or ministry or work or demanding or imposing or expecting and pushing um, or creating crisis That disrupts the family system, then all of a sudden the spouse at some point is feeling jealous. They're feeling displaced.
1: And this can be really challenging for people that are people pleasers because they wanna please everyone, but they can't. They have to prioritize the relationship.
0: Do you struggle with that?
1: I am a recovering people pleaser, yes.
0: Yeah. And see, to be honest, I don't understand that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have the other issue to work on. Which would be (laughs) what? You need to be somewhat more people pleasing sometimes. Oh,
0: oh, oh, I'll pray about that. We'll get back to you on that next episode. So, so our point is one of the worst things that you're told when you're growing up is that you need to treat everybody equally. Equally or treat them the same. And the truth is you treat different people differently, and it depends on their behavior.
1: Friendly with all, friends toward
0: a few. Yeah, and that's that's the language we like to, you're friendly towards all, but you're friends with a few. So those of you that are high extroverts, super social, you got most huggable in high school, <laughs> um, you know, you're know, you always posting the group selfie, you're that person, oh, we gotta take a photo and post it online, you're that relational person. It's not that you're not friendly toward people, it's that you can be friendly toward all, but you only have time and energy to be friends with a few. Yeah. And as couples, you gotta decide what these relationships are, And you got to decide who gets the lion's share of your time and energy and who you allow into a relationship of intimacy. So that being said, the way Jesus worked, we're always gonna come back to Jesus. It says in uh, John chapter two, verses 24 and 25, uh, that Jesus didn't trust some people because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. Mm. And what it's saying is when Jesus looked at people, he would try to, well, he wouldn't try, he would perfectly read their character And then he didn't immediately trust everyone. He didn't start with a green light relationship with everyone. You can get close. You can have access. We're going to be friends. Um, Trust
1: is built over time.
0: Yeah, trust is built over time. And so love is free, but trust is earned. Mm -hmm. That uh, love can be given in an instant. Trust is built over time. And that ultimately, if you're naive or gullible, you're going to let everybody have access. And as a result, you're going to put yourself and your marriage and your family in harm's way. I used Um, to
1: do that, and I put everyone in the same spot, and then our marriage suffered
0: for that. So explain that. I mean, we're on the other side, so I'm not frustrated like I once was, but it was a frustrating (laughs) point in the relationship. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand. I literally thought that everyone had to have an equal place of importance in my life, and I just— grew up believing that for one reason or another. And so that was just a place where I continued to get caught up because I can't be all things to all people. I'm not God. And so I needed to be able to have boundaries with people. Some people were just going to remain acquaintances and that was okay. It wasn't that I was mean to them. I just couldn't let them into certain areas of my life. Um, other people I could bring in closer as trust was built, but quite honestly, I didn't have a lot of margin for the extras because I did have five kids and a husband in ministry, especially. And so I didn't have a lot of margin for those extra relationships, which meant I needed to be even more discerning about the people I let close.
0: And how important is it for a married couple to agree on what relationship lane? Think of your life like lanes. You know, you've got your closest friends that are in the lane right next to you over to, you know, maybe it's spouses in the lane next to you and kids and close friends, but then different people are in different lanes. Some are acquaintances, some are former friends, some are extended family, some are extended family that are really broken and unhealthy, and you need to create some strong boundaries. And so, you know, think of your relationships like lanes. And and I think as a married couple, it's figuring out who's in what lane.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you spe- spend regular time with someone or a couple that generally needs to be mutually agreed upon so, so that the so husband is okay with that the wife is okay with that
0: sometimes that's the hardest part as a couple like she's like oh i really like her and then you get together for time and you're like uh oh,
1: i can't that, hang out with him. that dude that <laughs> yeah.
0: that dude is he's i think his name is migraine cuz that's all <laughs> that's all he brings you know um and and then is it fair or reasonable that the husband and the wife would have a line item veto for who you confide in, who the close friends are, what information or access or money goes to extended family members, do you have the right to say, Mark, I don't feel good about that couple or that relationship, and I I don't feel like that's someone I want you to be close to. Is that fair?
1: It is, and it it needs to be a kind conversation as much as possible and peaceable, but it, it is an important conversation because especially if one of the spouses lacks discernment, then It can be a hard conversation, but it's an important conversation so that the marriage can be protected. And if at any point you feel like a person or a relationship with someone outside the marriage is drawing your marriage away from each other, then that's a big red flag.
0: But what about if it's extended family? Because the hard truth is, and as people are doing relational inventory for last year and making preparation for next year, sometimes we wouldn't put up with things from anyone except for extended family. So if they're related to us, all of a sudden they get a different level of crazy that they're permitted.
1: Well, we're going to be talking about that in the wise, foolish, evil. So let's get into the wise so we can start discerning what type Let's of start people.
0: with the evil.
1: Oh, let's start with the evil. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. We'll start, start with, with the ugly. Evil. All right. So <laughs> I'll
0: have, uh, once you read this one, babe, you can just read uh, that scripture right there from Proverbs.
1: Proverbs 2, 12 through 15. Wisdom will save you from evil people from those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong, and they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked, and their ways are wrong. So it actually mentions evil people here. Yeah, It's a biblical category. Well, in
0: these three categories, wise, foolish, and evil, if if you as a couple want to do a little Bible reading— the book of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. You could read a chapter a day, knock it out in a month. During that time, we're gonna do these four podcast episodes. This would be a perfect little assignment. And as you're reading Proverbs, just make note of the wise, the foolish, and the evil. You'll see these categories over and over and over. So in this episode now, we'll talk about evil people, then we'll talk about foolish, and then we'll talk about wise people, and then the six kinds of relationships. But let's talk briefly about evil people. You were one of the people who had a hard time believing that there were evil people.
1: Mm, yeah. I didn't believe in complete depravity. Total man. depravity. <laughs> yeah.
0: Human sinfulness. And mm-hmm. I did. I grew up behind a strip club next to an airport with a Green River killer and Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. So I had two serial killers in my neighborhood. So if you came to me and said, Are there evil people? Oh, heck yeah. That's mm-hmm. why I don't play outside. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I don't ride my bike to the store. I mean, I, I thought there was in-
1: evil, but I thought everyone had a good heart, which okay. is so wrong and not biblical.
0: (laughs) No, Jeremiah 17, you know, Mm -hmm. the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things who can understand. And now God gives us a new heart, but until somebody gets a new heart, the old heart's got a real problem. I
1: believe that fully now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So for those who are listening, um, how would you explain, and then I've got a little punch list checklist. Um, What is it now? And if you're a person too, who thinks that most of the people you know are evil, you either may be really jaded. Yeah. Or you may be really wounded and mm-hmm. need to heal up. Yeah. Okay. The majority of people are foolish. Some people are wise. Some people are evil. The majority of people are foolish. But one evil person can do an inordinate amount of damage. So give me some examples or how, when you're looking at relationships, how do, you, how do you know that someone is potentially evil? What are the things you're looking for?
1: Well, I mean, it says right here in Proverbs 2, right? It says, that their words are twisted.
0: So they're dishonest, manipulative, Mm -hmm. blame shift, attack, threaten, control.
1: And they turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. So they're not pursuing light. They're not pursuing goodness and Jesus and the right way that God has shown us
0: in the scriptures. Well, I mean, Um, that word picture too, the the further they walk away from the light, it's darker darker. and darker and darker and darker. And if you know somebody like that, you're like, man, if they keep going in that direction, I mean, they could end up anywhere.
1: Yeah, there is no darkness in Jesus. So if they're heading toward darkness, they're heading further from Jesus. Um, they take pleasure in doing wrong. So not just that they do wrong, but the evil people actually take pleasure in it. So that's the difference between the evil and the foolish. So the
0: foolish people, they'll accidentally, inadvertently, unintentionally cause pain and harm because mm-hmm. they're just sort of bumbling and, and not discerning. The evil person, they maliciously, intentionally architect harm.
1: Their motive is... Yeah, pleasure in doing wrong.
0: So they they find pleasure in other people's pain.
1: They enjoy the twisted ways of evil, it says.
0: And so a little list on evil people. Um, got a little list here. Um, they're intentionally dangerous, not accidentally dangerous, intentional. Um, oftentimes they have trauma or tremendous hurt in mm-hmm. their past. Yeah, There's something broken in them that is not healed up. So they mm-hmm. think that they're righteous because they're a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes you look in their background, there was sexual assault, there was abuse as a child, uh, something traumatic happened, um, or there was an abusive environment. And the result is now that they feel they're, they're a victim of, evil and injustice, mm-hmm. but rather than healing from it, they perpetuate it. And so you, you can have some understanding, some compassion, some empathy for these people, but you can't trust them. Right. You can feel bad, but you can't get close. And what I like to say for evil people is they're not beyond help, but they're usually beyond your help. Mm-hmm. They need a professional. They yep. need a drug and alcohol treatment center. They need a Christian counselor. They literally need, you know, demonic deliverance. They need yep. a trauma therapist. They, they need an addiction specialist. They, they need something. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're not beyond help, but they're beyond your help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes, there are people that are profoundly hurt, and as a result, they hurt others emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally.
1: And that's where bitterness and unforgiveness, it's part of the demonic, like we've talked about in previous episodes. And so when we let that um, sit in our soul, it takes root, and then we harm people out of that bitterness and unforgiveness.
0: Well, yeah, that's the cycle that Paul talks about in Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, that, you know— you're sinned against, and then you become bitter, and you give the devil a foothold yes. that becomes a stronghold that becomes a death hold, and then you're filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And if you go to somebody and say, look what you're saying, look what you're doing, they'll say, yeah, but they started it,
1: yeah, it's-
0: or this person caused it, or this event triggered it, and they'll point back, that's just an unhealed hurt.
1: And maybe the person did start it, but it doesn't mean we can't forgive and hand it over to the Lord to deal with.
0: But then it becomes a stronghold. To use the Bible language, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a place that the enemy sets up shop and then recruits you to go do evil and harm toward others. Oftentimes these people are very controlling. Mm -hmm. They're very demanding. They're very domineering. You're a bit scared of them. You're trying to manage your relationship with them because you you fear their response. Mm-hmm. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? How, how, how much are they going to hurt me? They're
1: not grace-filled people.
0: No, no, they're not safe people. They're not grace-filled people. Um, in addition, they often threaten. It's a win-lose. Either I get what I want or you're going to pay and you're going to mm-hmm. be punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, uh, they're very low on empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. but they demand a lot of empathy and compassion. Yeah. So they're very in tune with all that they've suffered and they're very unaware of all the suffering that they cause for others. And what I like to say is that evil people live by demonic power, foolish people live by the flesh, and wise people live by the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the kind of person you become and the kind of relationships you have, it is contingent upon the kind of nourishment or sustenance that you feed your soul. Evil people, demonic, foolish people, flesh, Wise people, spirit. With a person who is evil, you need a professional relationship mm-hmm. with a person— Or a boundary. Yeah, well, in a professional relationship, meaning, you know, I, you're not coming over to my house. You're not talking to my kids. You don't have access to my wife. Yeah. You don't get my cell phone. You can't call me in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm really hard, clear, professional boundaries. It may mean a restraining order. It may mean blocking their number or social media. It's it's yep. literally keeping it at a professional level. Um, so when you think of the disciples, I mean, there's an obvious one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Jesus even had this in his relationship. So think of Jesus' relational circle. Jesus and 12 guys, one of them's the evil guy. Yeah, Judas. And so did it look though like Judas was the evil guy?
1: Probably not. I mean, he was entrusted with the finances. He was with them all the time, just like the other 11. He was with Jesus on the outside. People looking at Jesus' 12 disciples probably didn't know that because they probably would have assumed that Jesus would have kicked him out, Um But yeah, it probably looked like he was a Jesus follower.
0: So sometimes evil people will even get into ministries. They'll even get into ministry leadership. They'll even get on staff or on the board. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. They like to do that, actually, because they enjoy harming um, and doing evil. And if they can do destruction in the church, then that's a big win for them.
0: And so with Judas, though, I mean, on the outside, just observing, it looked like him and Jesus have a healthy relationship, that he's getting along with the other 12. He's not the guy who's really sticking out you know, like a sore thumb, he's he's not drawing a lot of attention to himself. I mean, Peter's the drama queen of the 12, you know?
1: Yeah, the disciples were seemingly with the scriptures a little bit surprised when Jesus said, one of you will betray me.
0: But he, Judas was the son of destruction. Mm-hmm. Satan had entered him. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was not just full on demonic, but he was satanic possessed. Yes. And that in addition, um, he had been stealing from Jesus for mm-hmm. three years. And yeah. so the relationship was one of abuse and usury and thievery and manipulation it was he was an evil guy mm-hmm. and uh and the result is the difference oftentimes is that an evil person you don't know that they're evil for a while because they're very covert mm-hmm. judas was very now peter's very overt yeah. he, he he thinks out loud and he's a verbal in front of people. <laughs> yeah he screws up publicly mm-hmm. you know and everybody sees it and knows it uh, Judas he plots very privately. When he comes at the end to destroy Jesus, it says that he has troops. political and religious leaders, mm-hmm. and those groups never got along. The Jews and the Romans did not get along. They conspired together. It was late at night when there was no witnesses. False testimonies were already organized. A trial in a court with a judge was already organized after hours. And um, Judas had been plotting this for some time. This would have taken months to architect, organize, and plot. And so he gets close to Jesus. He's very, very covert. The whole time he is secretly, quietly harming Jesus' ministry. And then he's very covert. And then at the very end, it becomes very overt. And I'm sure for the disciples, they were like, we thought we knew this guy. Mm -hmm. We don't— we don't even know who this person is mm-hmm. because they're Happens covert. A
1: lot. Yep. They're
0: covert. And so, um, can you think of just off the top of your head as we wrap up this episode, um, without naming names, but some <laughs> examples, unless you want to? That's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm it's, kidding. All right. It's going to be a bad day for some people. Um, can you just think of some examples in our years of ministry and marriage and family with some people who? that have even come into our orbit, that they were they were evil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can think of it even in growing up in my dad's church. There was a woman that told a lie about my dad, and she took probably a dozen families with her and split the church. Um, 20 years later, she came back and apologized for lying, but the damage had been done. Um, in our years of ministry, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of women that were divisive and trying to come in and have relationships with married men or, um, you know, break up women's friendships uh, with their own jealousy. And um, it's just, it's super common in the church. Um, It's, you know, common with men as well, but Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of women come in and just wreak havoc. And like you said, oftentimes it's unhealed wounds. And so they want um, justice for their wounds. And so they take it out on other people.
0: Well, and and if you got kids, you got to protect them. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. There are some evil people in this world.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You can't just let your kids do overnights and go stay at a friend's house and date whomever they want and jump in a boy's car. Uh, And part of it is, is not only do we need to navigate our relationships, we need to do so as a a couple.
1: And we need to be aware that they are in the church. And as soon as we recognize that, we need to deal with it and not let it continue in the church because it will wreak. Well, if
0: Satan was in heaven mm-hmm. and in the garden, and if Judas was in the 12th, yep. then evil people are going to be sent by yep. Satan into the church. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that it goes. How hard is it, though? Um, sometimes it's easier to draw a hard boundary with a person that is evil, but it becomes harder to maintain that boundary when they're extended family. So I want to close with that. Because my guess is those who are listening to this, they can think of some people that are evil, but maybe they have them... In a place relationally where they're more safe, but when it's extended family, because extended family, sometimes it's always about we're a family, you know, there's different rules for family, there's different access for family. And even if somebody is evil, there's usually somebody else in the family who's trying to keep them in the middle of the family.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's family, but if they're dangerous, then it doesn't matter. They need to be, um, you know, talked to or had a have a boundary put up because Ultimately, you have to live your life in a way that you're uh, asking the Lord for protection. And if you're allowing unsafe people into your life, then you're just opening the door to danger. And so, yes, it is hard with family if they're evil, but it's all the more important that we need to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to allow you to, you know, come around our kids or whatever the situation is, or be, you know, in our home. We're
0: not going to do the holidays with you. We're not going to do vacation with you. We're not going to give you money. You cannot be alone with our children.
1: It's actually loving to them to point out that they are not a safe person. Sometimes, you know, they may not recognize it. You can offer to pay for counseling if they're open to it, but if they are set and bent on evil, then you can't just say, well, it's okay. You know, maybe they won't do anything to us.
0: So there you go. Three kinds of people, wise, foolish, and evil. We dealt with the evil, we'll deal with the foolish in the next episode, and then the wise in the third, and then the six kinds of relationships in the last. But our hope, prayer, and goal for you, spend some time in Proverbs looking for these three categories, wise, foolish, and evil. In addition, look at your relational inventory. Are there people that you're continually having conflict over or disagreement about, or they're jumping line of priority and taking time and energy from your marriage and family? Were there some things, some people, some relationships last year that really, some things need to change because those were not healthy and godly. And quite frankly, you don't want to pull those same kinds of relationships into the new year. So we love you. We're praying for you. We appreciate you getting the word out so that more people can find the Real Marriage XO podcast. And we'll see you in the next episode when we talk about foolish people. And if you're foolish, please don't miss it. And if you have some foolish friends, have them tune in too.